thank you so much for joining me. So we have Tiffany, give us kind of the backstory of how you got involved in the stay at home daughter movement. Well, it was, it was kind of um, like a frog slowly boiling in water <laughs> where you just slowly get into more conservative and more conservative doctrines. And a lot of that uh, came about through the homeschool movement. I was very interested in homeschooling because in my mind, I needed to protect my kids from worldly doctrine. So I began to read a lot of books. Um, some of those books came out of Vision Forum. Um, and there were some other influences among other women in the church. So I kind of made the decision that, now, you know, education for my daughter is not that important. So, you know, an eighth grade education is okay because um, as long as she can be a good wife and mother, uh, you know, and go to church and follow God, you know, it's not that big a deal. So it wasn't a long phase that I went through it, but it was long enough that it did some damage. So we kind of uh, had an awakening of the psychological <clears throat> and emotional damage that these doctrines that we were embracing were doing. Um, and that was through just anxiety and depression that I was going through, that my kids were struggling with. Um, and I just began to seek answers. And as I began to seek those answers, I began to question the things I was believing. And I'm very open in my parenting, so I just kind of shared those questions with the kids. Like, you know, maybe uh, what I've been teaching you, what we've been doing isn't right. And so uh, we kind of, a lot of us began that same exploratory process and analyzing our belief systems. Um, and as we came out of it, that's when I began, you know, to see, <laughs> The big mistake I made is my daughter now struggled to get a basic high school education because she was basically, um, you know, her. I had taught her for that time that her focus was to be on, you know, you need to cook good, play the piano so you can play in church, um, clean, um, know how to manage a home. And there was a lot of friends who kind of gave that push for, you know, this was a really interesting thing. There was a lot of women with large families, and I can think of one in particular, but she would always criticize me and push me to give my daughter more and more responsibility around the home. You know, that the oldest daughter or daughters should be taking care of most of the home, which now frees the mother up more and more. It was almost like you were raising, uh, looking back on it now, it's almost like you were raising someone into servitude. <laughs> and then they stayed in that position of servitude until they found a husband. And sometimes, like with this particular family that I have in mind, I think the daughter was in her uh, late 20s um, and just had no freedom, no mind of her own, no life of her own, didn't drive, uh, couldn't go out without... Uh, her parents, she was basically a slave and a servant to her mother and her household um, until the time she got married. I don't know if she ever did. It was very sad, you know, in retrospect. So having a career as a woman in this situation, what would have been people's thoughts on that? Or what would have been your thoughts on that, Tiffany, at the time? Oh, it was um, something that you 
it was amazing because, you know, there's kids out there that shoot heroin and um, <laughs> do all sorts <laughs> of really dangerous things. And, and in our little enclave, you know, having a daughter that would choose a career was like a horrible thing that mm -hmm. you'd be put into the prayer circle over and you'd be a rebellious wife or daughter. And um, so it definitely, you know, our dream was that our daughters would marry a very godly man, preferably a preacher or something like that. And they would sit in their dress and play at the piano in front of church every Sunday and sing in a lovely voice. And, and we could feel like we did a good job as parents. That was, there was sort of this image put forth of what godly parenting looked like. Mm -hmm. And in the, ver the Bible verse was always put forth, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is older, he will not depart from it. So you were sent the clear, distinct message that it's your job as a mother to absolutely ensure that your children follow a given path. If they choose not to follow that path, you obviously screwed up. Um, mm -hmm. And so there was a real deep sense of shame if you digressed from the norm, uh, the standard that was put forth. Um, the most extreme version, I think, of that was promoted by Vision Forum mm -hmm. and uh, a couple other groups. Um, Jonathan Lindvall was another one um, that he actually promoted arranged marriages, I believe, for you know, hus or mothers and fathers picking a spouse for their daughters. Mm -hmm. And um, they were sort of a strange lot. They would appear at homeschool uh, conventions uh, with his teenage daughters, like 15 and 16, carrying baby dolls, because he sort of really? infantilized, yeah, it was, it was odd, infantilized <laughs> his children and kept them young longer. Mm -hmm. And then ironically, there's another movement within the homeschool circle to create uh, rapid maturity, that, that our culture, the worldly culture um, governed by Satan, wanted children to remain children too long. So you were, you know, instructed to not allow your children to engage in childish foolishness. And you were told stories of the 1800s when eight-year-olds went off to battle and okay. uh, managed homes and, and how during biblical times, girls married at 14 and 15. So you were expected that by the time your daughter, in particular, was, you know, 13, 14, that she could manage a home, handle these responsibilities, she could cook well, you know, not that we were marrying our kids off at 14 or 15, mm -hmm. but that was, you know, an ideal that was expected. And amazingly, within those groups, girls often do marry, like 18, boom. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and they don't even have the chance to experience a young adult life and you know, it wouldn't be your goal to have them get an apartment and learn to be independent or manage bills. That's a man's job. You mm -hmm. need a man to take care of you. Um, you are, uh, your role and job is to serve a man. Um, okay. So if you don't end up marrying, that can be quite devastating because now you're stuck in your father's home and you're 40 years old, mm -hmm. you know, um, and then that was supposed to be God's will and you were to accept it. So moving out, even when you get, you know, mid twenties, upper twenties into your thirties was not okay. was not allowed. Sure, no, sure. that would be a, a real sign of rebellion. Um, so would there have been some careers, cause talking to different people, 
it seems like sometimes like piano teaching was okay, maybe midwifery was okay. Would there have been some careers that would have been okay to pursue as a woman? And if so, what, what would have those been? Um, I think the two you mentioned, definitely. Um, they would always be done in the home and under the authority of the husband. And it was absolutely forbidden to um, go outside the home and be under the authority of another man. Okay. That would be a very bad thing to do. So, so, so working outside the home would be considered, you know, you have a, a boss who's a man, now you're under his authority and not under your husband or father's authority? Was that kind of the thinking behind that? Yeah, that would be absolutely forbidden. Um, mm -hmm. You should not be under the authority of any other man. Now, it really depends on, like, we went to various churches, so... Sure, um, sure. Most of the involvement in the movement for us was not due to a particular congregation. None of the congregations probably embraced it as fully as um, people within the homeschool movement. So, uh, you know, you'd go to these homeschool gatherings and meetings, you'd hang out with other homeschool families, and they all had these varying degrees of conservativeness. And the more conservative a family was, the more they kind of wanted to pull you into that level of conservatism because they were the most godly I mean, that's how they viewed it. And okay. um, yeah, so they would sort of try to mentor and pull along other families, especially the older women. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, so it wasn't so much a church as it was that homeschool movement, the books we were reading. Um, and then within that arena, there were people who held to various different positions. Um, all of these positions were supposed to be designed and determined by the patriarchal leadership of the home. But I can tell you, most of the cases, um, it was women who led the family into um, a lot of these uh, stay-at-home daughter movements. Um, that's an interesting, yeah, that's an interesting observation um, because, you know, the whole, the whole thing that's taught is that women are supposed to be basically under men, under their father, under their husbands, but you're saying it was actually almost the, the women that were promoting that. Do you know why? Um, you know, in my case, I think it was, you know, I come from a background, I didn't come from a church background, I came from a background where um, you know, my mom is an alcoholic. Um, I wasn't happy with the way I was raised. Um, I had struggles as a result. So I'm thinking as I'm entering parenting, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I would have been much better off if I just would have winged it than read all the books that I read and, and, you know, just led me more and more into conservatives. And I, and I, you just didn't trust yourself. Mm -hmm. you, know, you didn't trust your own uh, wisdom or guidance. You didn't trust yourself to interpret the Bible. And then you were taught as a woman, um, you should definitely not trust yourself because you are incapable of making decisions. You okay. need a man's leadership. Um, so at that point, you begin to long for that sort of leadership. And if it's not being provided, you, 
you know, you can become a real nag. I think I was, it's like, I want my husband to be what this book says husband should be and he's not. So I should shame him and make him feel terrible Uh in a subtle sort of way, you know, uh, or just by letting him know, you know, in some way, shape or form, Hey, I'm reading this book and you know, hint, 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 you're not measuring up. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. um, so I think some of it was fueled by the desire of women to have that kind of leadership, to be the kind of uh, mother that they wanted to be, to have that godly home that they think is going to produce godly children. One of the things that I've found through interviewing people is a lot of times um, people who are kind of into this thought process, they will also have you know, pretty strict standards when it comes to dress, um, you know, sometimes women just wearing dresses, no pants allowed. What was your guys' experience with that? Well, this this brings up an interesting point because um, one of the things I really object to now in retrospect is the whole idea that women are responsible for a man's sexual desires and drive. Um, so we are responsible in their eyes to dress in such a way as not to elicit any lust. That's what they called it. Um, so which caused a couple problems. The first one is that for young people who are have emerging hormones and, uh, they're developing, you know, for the young men to have any sort of sexual desire was absolutely sinful. For a woman, it was even sinful in, in the stay-at-home daughters movement for you to even emotionally like a boy. Okay. Like one of the most traumatic things I remember for my daughter was that she came to the realization that she liked a boy. And this was traumatic. Oh my God, I'm not supposed to like anyone. I'm supposed to be emotionally pure and not okay. give any, have any emotions until it's my husband and I'm, you know, my father approves of my husband. And then um, I'm able to now release emotion towards him. Well, this is not realistic. This is not mm-hmm. human nature. This is not physiology. It's not the way the brain works. You know, so you pathologized normal behavior and then sent the message that women are supposed to uh, dawn themselves in a certain way to avoid arousing any sexual desire in men. Okay. So, and this is why, in my opinion, within these movements, um, anywhere, you know, uh, the level of purity that is required uh, is so high that it creates um, so much guilt and shame that it ends up driving sexually deviant behaviors. Now, obviously, you're not a part of this anymore. But how was that process of, what was it that made you say, something's off here? Um, my own personal misery. Okay, so that yeah, was I mean, the I catalyst. Was just, yeah, I, I would, if I had remained in that movement, I, I would have cracked. Hmm. Um, you know, and at first you begin to seek answers for your misery within the movement by going to the church leadership and saying, I'm so depressed. I'm so, we don't want to do that too often because you get immediately judged. Well, the body, you're not trusting God. Okay. Well, how do you trust a God that basically commands you to be enslaved as a woman that tells you you have no worth and value? I mean, that's what we were taught. Mm-hmm. So that what you know, you, your view of God, and then you're told to trust him. Okay. Um, that's like asking a child to trust an abusive father and then criticizing them when they don't. Uh, you know, so that's exactly what occurred. Um, so then I had to say to myself, is this, 
the way it really is supposed to be. I have to, I'm either going to crack mentally or physically. I had a lot of health issues. Okay. They're all, you know, I determined stress related. My doctor had determined stress related. Um, I had chronic headaches, uh, skin problems, uh, food allergies, massive fatigue, depression, anxiety. I'm looking around me and the women aren't faring, the other women aren't faring much better. And one of the pastors at one church we attended actually said, da da da, the name of the church. Good for the soul, bad for the body, because so many people are sick. Oh my. You know, and, and he, would joke about, <laughs> he would joke about that, you know, and of course he yeah. didn't think that was relevant, but looking mm -hmm. back on it, I think it was relevant. The amount of stress you lived under uh, psychologically was absolutely oppressive. Okay. It was just a constant state of fear. What would you say to people who are thinking, you know what, like maybe they hear about this, like this makes sense that a woman can be under her father and then move under her husband and... I really like this structure. It sounds like it's got some benefits to it. Um, people who are thinking of joining this movement, what would you say to them? It is the most damaging thing to shut yourself off from all ideas except one. That's, that is the definition of being in a cult. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, that our viewpoint is right, all others are wrong. And that's what you're essentially doing is creating a cult-like environment for daughters to be raised in where they can't think. Um, of any other lifestyle being acceptable except the one that we're taught. And uh, one of the things I tell people now is that if your faith can't stand up to any scrutiny, mm -hmm. it's no faith at all. So if you cannot hear an opposing viewpoint without being swept away into it, your original belief probably wasn't very strong. Mm -hmm. It's almost like we want to protect you know, we wanted to protect young people from any sort of cognitive dissonance because when that happens, they instantly <laughs> begin to think, you know, and that's, that's really being mature. Being a mature adult is, you know, if you think about it from a political perspective, you know, you should be able to, to look at both sides of a political issue and say, okay, what are the merits if I take this position and this position? You know, um, it creates a narrow closed mindedness that is just damaging in, in every area of life. And you see the repercussions and the behavior of these. I mean, the church, the churches we're involved with were the most conservative, were the most unloving, judgmental, harsh uh, people that you would ever want to meet sometimes. Um, no compassion, no empathy. Um, you know, not quite as bad as the Westboro Baptist Church people that carry the signs, sure. you know. And they're like the absolute extreme end of that. But, um, you know, we were just milder versions of that sort of hatred and closed-mindedness. It it's just, you know, look at those people and ask yourself if you want to be any on, on this, that spectrum at all. Okay, so any just closing thoughts? Something you, you felt like wasn't shared that um, should have been shared? I think that, um, you know, if people are considering raising their daughters in this movement, I mean, anyone who is seriously considered that would view the fact that I'm even wearing a tank top as something that's absolutely horrendous, you know, so they're not probably going to listen to me. And that's the sad reality of is they're so sequestered at that point from society that, that and taught and brainwashed to not consider other viewpoints. Um, you know, but this, you know, I, I, I just say, 
you know, to take that challenge to consider other viewpoints because the psychological damage is long-term. I mean, if you look at even my own children, um, you know, my youngest daughter is now 13. I have six children. And she pretty much, yeah, she did not experience much of what Gracie experienced growing up. And she has at 13, you know, like the belief that she could just do anything you know, she wants. She's got uh, self-confidence. She has, can speak up. She's very happy and, and free because she's had a normal childhood. I mean, she got to be a kid. She didn't have to be an adult at eight, you know. And um, I think she has a lot of healthy views, you know, of life. And she's not burdened down with fear and shame, you know. And essentially, what you put in your brain when you're listening to sermons, when you're going to church, when you're teaching and reading about these things, you're training your brain to think a certain way. And then as an adult, it's not that easy to throw that off, you know, Mm -hmm. so you're doing considerable damage, you know, and I say not that easy, not to be discouraging, because you can learn to think differently, obviously, but um you know, why do that to yourself in the first place? Um, why, you know, shut yourself off from opposing ideas? I mean, I guess I know why. I know why it's done. It's fear. You know, it is very reactionary response. I don't want my daughter on heroin. I don't want my daughter pregnant at 14. So my sure. response is to hide her away from the world. Um, but she's never been challenged. How do you know a young lady is strong enough to resist heroin and becoming pregnant at 14. If you hide her away in her house, like a prisoner, Mm -hmm. you know, her faith has never been challenged. Her um, mental fortitude is never challenged. Uh, She doesn't, how can you be sure you believe a position if you've never considered another position? You can't, you just assume, you know, because at some point, you know, they're going to hear these things, whether you try to hide them away or not. And when they do, they won't know how to handle it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what if that husband that you marry your daughter off to ends up being a monster? You know, I can tell you what happens because I have a lot of them in my support group. You know, they endure years of abuse Mm -hmm. because of the fact that they're just a woman and they're to submit and their husband has been put in authority over them by God. So that's an extreme example of what what can happen um you know to daughters raised with this mentality they grow up to become mothers um and then they do significant damage um in their homes if they're setting the example for their daughter that this is how women and girls are supposed to be treated that you're inferior that you are incapable of making decisions that you can't think for yourself um that your worth and value is tied to how your ability to make your husband happy. You know, these are dangerous ideas that puts the locus of control outside of yourself and on other people um, and ties unrealistic standards to um, your role as a woman in this world. Does immense amount of damage. You know, that takes years of undoing. So you know, our, our perspective, if, if you're going to choose faith in God, if you're going to choose church, you know, it should not be motivated by fear. You should not become more fearful, more anxious, you know, um, because you've made that decision. You should be a better person. 
and not struggling with depression and anxiety. And if people want to enter that movement, um, then they need to really pay attention to their emotional indicators and say, am I becoming more depressed and anxious? I guarantee you at some point, it's most likely you will. And that's the warning, you know. Um, if you believe psychologically toxic ideas, you there will be repercussions. And so if you decide to enter that movement anyway, when they start appearing, maybe remembering that that is the reason. Because, you know, healthy beliefs don't produce psychological misery. Mm -hmm. And that's all that I saw within that movement. There was very few happy women and young girls and children. If you look at the people that raised the children, like, you know, when we were raising children, most of those are adults now. Um, but I can't think of a single person, a young person who's following that today that was raised like that. If this was such a great lifestyle, why aren't the kids adopting it? They've all rebelled against it. 